Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley. Today's episode is all about building engagement and improving the performance of your team. And we're going to do that by looking at the biggest mistakes leaders and organizations make when driving engagement and developing teams. Now, before we jump into the content of today, I do just want to remind you that I would love for you to reach out. Feel free to reach out and book a complimentary strategy session with me. I am here to really understand your team and leadership challenges and to provide you with resources and tools to really help you to tap into the best of yourself and those you lead. And that's really my purpose. My purpose is to help as many teams and leaders as possible to thrive more and struggle less, right? I really believe that life and work aren't meant to be a challenge. Oh, sorry, it's meant to be a challenge, but it's not meant to be a struggle, right? We want our lives and our work to be fulfilling and challenging, but they shouldn't be a struggle, And so feel free to reach out and I'd be happy to share research and strategies and tools and resources with you to help you and your teams to thrive more and struggle less. And you can do that at kand.co slash strategy. And while you're there, sign up for our newsletter and that way you'll just get, you know, free tips and tools and strategies right into your inbox. All right. Thank you for letting me share that with you. Let's start. Let's start today by looking at current research in employee engagement. Okay. And by recent and current, I mean pre-COVID research. All right. So this is research that came out before COVID. So we know that COVID is going to have an impact, a significant impact on engagement. So these results were pre-COVID. And even though it's pre-COVID results, the research should have every leader, every organization sitting up, taking notice and taking action. Because this research shows that 84%, okay, 84, 84% of people are merely coming to work and are not contributing fully to their organizations. And this is just one of the drop jaw-dropping insights from ADP Research Institute's new global study of engagement, okay? And by new, this came out last summer, all right? So it's about a year old. And this study is the most definitive global study on engagement yet. And like I said, these are pre-COVID stats. And pre-COVID stats state that 84% of people are merely coming to work. Imagine the percentage today where people are overwhelmed, exhausted, stressed, learning to work remotely. And until leaders and teams shift effectively to adapt to our new world of work, we're not going to see any improvement in employee engagement. Now, one would have thought that the three quarters of a billion dollars being spent by companies every year on improving engagement would be having an effect. But the data from this research, from ADP research's study, is clear. The impact that 
the employee engagement strategies that organizations have been focusing on over the past several years are not working. The impact is minimal and is in some countries, including the U.S., engagement is dropping, not climbing. Okay. Five years, the study looked at a five-year period, right, up until uh, 2019 and the five years previous. Okay. It showed that employee engagement scores dropped. And in the U.S., engagement scores dropped by 2%. In Canada, we only move the needle by 2% forward. And that's with millions, hundreds and millions of dollars being spent focused on strengthening engagement. What we have been doing, what organizations have been doing have not worked. Okay. And the authors of ADP Research Institute study, which includes Marcus Buckingham, and I had the great pleasure of interviewing Marcus last year about this study. They say it's time to address engagement in new ways. And I couldn't agree more. So today we're going to be focusing about what on what are those new ways? What are the mistakes that organizations and leaders make over and over again that are having a significant impact on not moving the needle and employee engagement. And when engagement is needed more now than ever, not just for the bottom line, but for our health and well-being of our people. And so just to give some context, organizations and their HR teams have been working tirelessly to improve engagement for almost 30 years. You know, I know it can feel like employee engagement is this, you know, buzzword and it came into popularity over, you know, the past five, 10 years, but that's not the case. It's been 30 years um, and this happened ever since um, an article, a study actually from People to Profits, the HR link to the service profit change chain was published um, in 1990. And so for those of you tasked with improving engagement, I can only imagine that it must feel a little bit like running on a hamster wheel, right? Because the efforts, the great amount of effort and time and energy that is being placed on employee engagement are, is producing little to no impact in too many organizations. So remember that well-worn but still applicable Einstein quote, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. That's what's been happening year after year with employee engagement strategies. They are not working. But there's good news. The good news is when efforts are focused on the right areas, employee engagement will rise. We just haven't been focusing on the right areas. ADP's Research Institute's latest research shows that getting the most from your employees comes down to only two things. There are only two things that directly impact engagement, the effectiveness of your teams and trust in leaders. After surveying over 19,000 people, 19,000 workers across the globe, the study found that teams and trust in leaders are the most important influences on employee engagement. That's it. That's it effective teams, and trust in leaders. And I have to tell you, when I interviewed Marcus on this research and read this research, I wanted to, you know, shout from the rafters. I wanted to go to every organization 
I've ever worked with and organizations I've never worked with and said, see, this is what I've been saying for years and years and years. Effective teams and effective leadership drive engagement. And so everything else we've been doing, employee engagement surveys and the bells and whistles and the benefits and the profit sharing, all of those things are great and important to have and make your people feel good but they don't directly drive engagement. Teams and trust in our leaders are what drive engagement. And as Marcus Buckingham and his research team stated, when organizations make great teams their primary focus, including what creates them and what can fracture them, that's when we will expect to see more significant rises in employee engagement across the globe. And engagement is more important now than ever before. The effectiveness of our teams and the trust in our leaders are are more important than ever before. So let's take a look then at the top team development mistakes that are being made because they directly affect our ability to strengthen our engagement. So let's look at the first one because this is a doozy and affects many organizations. And by the way, you can get a complete list of the common team development mistakes from my website, kand.co slash tools, and you'll see right there, common team development mistakes, and you can just download them. And we're going to touch on five today. So the first one, the first mistake is there is no consistent definition and no consistent focus on what a high-performance team looks like across the organization. How can you, a leader, a team member, or how can your HR and OD teams begin to develop great teams and sustain high performance when there is no clear and common definition of what a great team looks like? How can you lead your team to high performance when you don't know exactly what you should be striving for? You can't effectively lead your team when you don't know what your KPIs are, what the vision of the organization is, what success looks like for your team, what the specific goals are. The same rings true for developing teamwork, for developing high performance teams. If we don't know what high-performance teamwork looks like, how can we possibly develop it, right? When you don't know what it looks like, you won't know what your team is doing well, so you won't be able to celebrate and recognize their strengths, and you won't know where you and your team should focus their attention, your attention, in order to improve results, Without a clear understanding of the non-negotiable practices, you and your team will waste time and energy focusing on changing behaviors and practices that will have little or no effect on really addressing the root causes that are affecting team performance. Now, on a broader scale, when there isn't a common definition across your organization, then teams, the OD team, Leaders will be reinventing the wheel every single time and potentially different messaging, different priorities for different teams. And when there isn't a common and clear definition and approach, it's communicating to the team, to the organization that it's not important. Team performance is not that important. 
Because, well, we don't have a common approach. We don't know even what it looks like. Most organizations, pretty much every organization has a set of values, right, on their website. And oftentimes teamwork is one of the values. But when you drill down, what does that look like? You wouldn't dream of leading an organization and building an organization without a set of values. And yet, most organizations do not have a definition of what high-performance teamwork looks like. And it's the teams that drive the organization. It's the effectiveness of our teams, the effectiveness of our leaders that drive the effectiveness of organizations and drive the culture. And if we don't know what high-performance teamwork looks like across the organization and have a standard you know, definition then how can we even begin to arm our teams and leaders with the tools they need to develop themselves? So if you don't have a definition at your organization, if your company does not have a consistent definition of what high-performance teamwork looks like, then this is the place to start full stop. And if you are a leader or a team member listening to this right now outside of OD and HR, or outside of the senior executive team at your company, if you're not able, you know, to effectively influence the powers that be at the top to develop and roll out a high-performance team framework, then focus, take the control, take the lead for your own team, and focus on a definition for your team, for your department that you will use to guide your own engagement, to guide your own development. You have the ability to focus your team on the behaviors and practices that will make the biggest difference and create a dialogue and engage and align your team to those practices. It will make a huge difference. Okay, so you as a leader can do one of two things. You can bring your team together to define what a high-performance team looks like, okay? You can do that on your own. Or you can use a team performance model that's already been created, and there are a number of them out there, right? You're probably familiar with Lencioni, Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of Team. There's Energetics. There's Six Conditions. There's a number of different um, team models out there. I am, of course, um, very proud of and biased to our own team performance framework, which is the team fitness tool. As I shared in the strengths and numbers episode a few weeks ago, we know that what a high performance team looks like based on over 30 years of research in high performance teams. And it isn't complicated. We know that when teams consistently focus on what we call the seven elements of a high-performance team, their performance skyrockets, and so does their level of engagement. And we know that when team members take ownership and accountability for these behaviors and practices, the shift is moved from the leader's shoulders to the entire team's responsibility for the team's effectiveness. It's not HR's responsibility or ODs or just yours, the leaders. It is the team. And when the team is effectively connected to what high-performance teamwork looks like and is engaged in regular dialogue and conversation about what does this mean to us, then the team will take more ownership in it. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. So, 
In order to create a definition, you can do so yourself. That takes a lot of time. So I really encourage you to use one that's already there. And if you want to explore ours, you simply go to Team Fitness Tool, teamfitnesstool.com slash ebook and download the seven elements. And you can share that and use that with your team. And I'm going to share a process for connecting your team to exceptional teamwork in a little bit. Okay. So that's the first mistake. No clear definition. And ideally, if you can share right? If you can influence and engage the powers that be to really look at creating a definition or a framework for your own organization, it will have a huge impact, especially now when teamwork is more important than ever before. Okay, so mistake number two, treating team development as an event as opposed to a process. I don't know how many times we are called to come in and do a single, you know, team building event, to come in for an hour or for a day and then go on our merry way. That doesn't have an impact. A one and done event does not have an impact to the point where we will not do that anymore. Our goal is to set teams up for success. So if your goal is to affect real behavior change, and enable improved and sustained team performance, then a one-time team building event will not work, right? There's no quick fix that will address the issues preventing your team from being their very best. So if you want your team to perform better, get along better, to challenge each other and stretch themselves to achieve better results, it requires work and ongoing commitment from everyone over time. So when we come back from break, I'm going to dive more into how to move from an event to a process and the remaining three team development mistakes that leaders and organizations make. Okay, we'll be right back. Thanks so much. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, Leading High-Performance Teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit K-A-N-D dot co slash ecourse that's promo code va30 would you like a complimentary strategy session with leading on purpose host nicole bendeley nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. 
Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. So the second mistake, as we said before break, is treating team development as an event instead of a process. And this is usually the result of not having a clear understanding of what high-performance teamwork looks like and not having um, the ability or the tools or the know-how to ensure there is ongoing everyday dialogue within the team that's connected to teamwork and how we work together. If you remember from, if you listen to the Strengths and Numbers episode, and if you haven't, I really encourage you to do that. Um, I shared with you an overview of each of the seven elements of a high-performance team. And so I won't go into that again today. But in one of those seven elements, I shared with you that one of those elements is cohesiveness. And cohesiveness requires a team being exceptionally committed to and connected to where the team is going, its goals and objectives, and how the team will get there. And by how, I mean its best practices, its values, its roles and responsibilities. And to stay connected to how we work together in order to be a cohesive team, there needs to be everyday dialogue around what's important to us. Right? Are we, how are we doing living by those behaviors and practices that are most important to our effectiveness? What are we doing really well? What do we need to strengthen? Right? And that is more important that everyday dialogue and focus on continuous improvement and strengthening, you know, what's working and looking at strengthening what's not. Right? That is what affects team effectiveness. That's what drives culture. That's what drives engagement. It's not a one-time event. When we have a one-time team building event, it results in teams feeling that team development is being done to them as opposed to by them. So at the end of this um, episode, we're going to be looking at how do you create that dialogue? How can we create that process that will move away from an event to everyday conversations about how we're working together? Okay, so mistake number three, and these are all tied together, all right? They are all um, interconnected, so to speak. I see too much reliance on HR and organizational development to develop teams, right? The ability to tap into the vital power of teams must be placed into the hands of the leader and their team, no matter the type of team. So if you're relying heavily on an external consultant or on HR or OD or your learning development to come in, to swoop in and develop your team and fix the team. Maybe there's conflict. Maybe there's poor communication. Those are the two things I hear most often. If this is being done to the team externally, your team and your organization will fall behind on improving engagement and performance. Organizations that thrive today are made up of nimble, high-performing teams. And so in order to do that, Organizations have to shift from a top-down approach to a localized approach by arming teams and leaders with the tools they need to develop themselves. When there is a reliance on HR, 
or OD to come in and design and lead the team development. And this is this it, it's still important to have HR and OD support team development, no doubt. I'm not saying remove them, but when it's only driven by HR and OD, then the focus, again, results in team development being done to the team instead of by the team. Teams don't need to be quote-unquote fixed. Teams need to learn how to develop themselves by celebrating and appreciating and identifying their strengths and identifying and taking action on their opportunities for improvement. And to do that, to develop, to learn how to develop themselves and to build high performance, teams require tools. Teams require real-time data about their own team effectiveness so that they can quickly shift their actions and behaviors in a productive direction, right? So oftentimes the data that teams see are organizational-wide engagement results, right? And um, maybe the results drill down to their team. But the engagement surveys, while effective, they don't measure each individual team's uniqueness, the way in which they work, what's working and what's not as far as how they function as a team. And so oftentimes, teams don't see themselves in top, very top-down organizational studies and, and surveys. And so that doesn't give the teams and leaders the information they need in order to know where to focus their attention. What teams need is a shift from top-down large organizational strategies to more of a localized focus by arming teams and leaders with the tools they need to identify their strengths, identify their opportunities for improvement from a teamwork perspective, and then enable them to take action and have the dialogue needed. Okay, so effective tools define what a high-performance team looks like. Effective tools provide simple and easy ways to measure team effectiveness and to have the dialogue needed to, to take action. So we're going to come back to what those tools are, okay, and give you a process as well for doing that, for shifting the responsibility for team development from HR and OD um, and from you solely, the leader, to your team. Okay, so mistake number four, and this is a big one too that came through in the study of Marcus Buckingham's research. There isn't enough focus on committees and ad hoc teams. Okay, one of the reasons why we haven't moved the needle on employee engagement is because organizations, for the most part, have been focusing their efforts on where the work is being done, right? Sorry, they haven't. I might have misspoke. Organizations have not, for the most part, been focusing their efforts on where the work is being done. And the work is being done not just within traditional teams that show up on an organization's chart, they sh- it, the work is being done within the myriad of teams that actually do the work. Gone are the days of work being done in silos, right? Only by those teams that show up on your organizational chart. Teams are more fluid and more dynamic than ever. Work gets done today in cross-functional project teams and committees, which 
that in and of itself makes it difficult for HR to have a line of sight to the teams doing the work, let alone being able to effectively support or measure team effectiveness. And so I suppose that it's not that shocking or surprising that the research study finds that organizations don't really understand or act on the vital power of teams because there hasn't been enough focus on where the work is actually happening. Yes, they're happening in our standalone standard teams that show up on our organizational charts, but the bulk of the work is happening in committees, ad hoc teams, right, who come together as needed to initiate, to to drive projects. And there is not enough focus on supporting those teams and being their best selves in becoming high-performing teams, no matter how long they're together. If they're together for a month, they still need to perform at their very best. If they're together for a year, they still need to know what high-performing teamworks looks like. So I'm often asked, well, how do you define a team? Well, I define a team as a group of people with a common goal who depend upon one another to achieve that goal. That's a team. It can be a team of two. It can be a team of 100. A group of people who depend upon each other to achieve a common goal. Right? So this applies to any group of people coming together to get work done. Unfortunately, more often than not, when when organizations consider team and leadership development initiatives, they're too focused on those traditional intact teams and overlook the cross-functional and dynamic teams that come together for a period of time. And yet we know that 75% of cross-functional teams are dysfunctional. So it's no wonder that employee engagement isn't rising. Now, at the end of the day, organizations and their leaders must be able to see, support, and measure teamwork. And this comes right from Marcus Buckingham's research. Organizations have to stop relying on traditional HR talent management systems, okay, that really don't offer a line of sight into, like I said, where the actual work is being done. And more companies need to begin to leverage existing team productivity tools, Okay, to better understand where the work is being done. Tools like Slack, tools like Jira, right? These are examples of tools used by teams to do great work and give organizations, the HR team, for example, insight, a line of sight into doing, into who is doing what work and for what purpose. And so at the team and departmental level, If your team members are a part of or are leading cross-functional teams, okay, ensure that, let's go back to mistake number one, no clear definition of what a high-performance team looks like. If you're committed to using a definition of of what a high-performance team looks like or creating your own, share that. When your team members are engaged in committee work, Make sure that they are armed with that definition, that they share that learning, that they guide the committee in living by those behaviors and practices that will make the biggest difference to that committee's ability to deliver great work together, right? Ensure that definition becomes part of the committee's charter. Ensure that there's time for conversation around what we're doing well and what we're not. Too often, committees are focused on the head-down work of getting through the tasks. 
getting through the to-do list. And each member of that committee is siloed into their own work. When teams function at their very best, they are focused on a common goal. There's collaborative discussion, right? There is idea sharing. There's challenging of the status quo. There's pushing the limits, looking at how we can be even better in delivering this great work. It's a balance of head down, head up work, looking around and asking what can we do even better to be an even better committee. But that only comes from a commitment to teamwork, a commitment to team performance. And so if you are a leader committed to that, ensure you are sharing that knowledge and focus of teamwork at the committee level as well, and not just with your team. And that's where you can begin to influence. If you're not able to influence at the highest level of your organization to build a consistent definition of what high-performance team looks like, You can do it at the local level by sharing your learnings, by sharing your commitment and definition of high-performance teams, no matter what model you choose to adopt. Now, going back to the model that you choose to adopt, be sure it is aligned with the values of your organization, okay? So, take some time to look at um, the models out there um, and ensure that it resonates with you and your team and the work that you do. Okay. All right. Now, the fifth mistake that I see happening within organizations, and this is a big one as well, is not arming leaders with what they need to build trust. And remember, the only two things that drive employee engagement is effective teams and trust in leaders. It all comes down to trust, 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 trust. A person is 12 times more likely to be fully engaged if they trust their leader, according to Marcus Buckingham's research in 2019. Specifically, when an individual knows their role and knows that their contributions and strengths are being used and valued, okay, they will have greater trust for their leader and will be 12 times more likely to be fully engaged. Feeling trusted and trusting others is at the heart of a high-performance team. The degree to which one feels psychologically safe to be themselves, ask questions, rock the boat, share ideas, and bring forth their best work all comes down to the level of trust within the team. And while developing trust is everyone's responsibility, the bulk of it does rest with the leader. And too often, leaders are just not set up for successfully building the meaningful relationships required in order to build a foundation of trust. What do people need most right now from their leaders? People need to be heard. People need to be seen. People need to be understood and to be feel valued and to be recognized for not just the outcomes that they create, but for the effort it takes to achieve those outcomes, especially today. And for leaders to effectively give their people what they need, to effectively hear their people, to really see and understand and show appreciation and recognition to their people. This requires a number of skills that many leaders just don't have. And that's okay as long as we recognize what we don't have and have the support to develop 
in the areas that are most needed right now. And the skills that are most needed right now are the ability for leaders to be vulnerable, to lean in and have vulnerable conversations, right? We talked about that a little bit in the leading change episode last week in really being there to hear their people, right? Hear your people. Skills are required in having coaching conversations. And I always say, if you've been in a session with me around coaching, you don't need to be certified as a coach to be able to coach. Coaching is about having dialogue and having powerful conversations that are based on asking questions to really understand the other person. So skills in coaching are needed. Skills in having powerful, meaningful conversations, and sometimes those conversations are difficult, so having crucial conversations. This requires also skills in emotional intelligence, in self-awareness, in in learning how to respond versus react. It requires leaders build skills in resilience and taking care of self so that we can give fully to those that we lead. There are very unique sets of skills and learning that's needed today. And I keep saying this more than ever. And unless organizations are providing leaders with the support that they need to build and grow in these areas, it will have a detrimental effect not only on the level of engagement, but on the performance, on the well-being of your leaders, on the well-being of your team members. And so as a leader, if you're trying to figure out where to focus your attention, what's needed most right now is the ability to build relationships through meaningful conversations, the ability to lead people through uncertainty and transformational change like we're experiencing right now, the ability to have to coach every day, have meaningful coaching conversations and the ability to lead high-performing teams. So those are the four areas. And if you could just choose one of those areas to dedicate your own growth to, you will be able to build greater trust and better teams um, and build greater resilience for yourself along the way as well. Okay, so we've just reviewed the five biggest mistakes. Now, what are you going to do about them? So I want to share with you a process to help you build teamwork, support your teams, and at the end of the day, strengthen the level of engagement within your teams and your organization. So we'll come right back after a short break. Okay, stay tuned. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Would you like a complimentary strategy session with Leading on Purpose host Nicole Bendeley? Nicole and her team have been making it possible for leaders to achieve exceptional results with ease for over 40 years. Nicole will help you to discover what's getting in your team's way from even better results and will share with you the simple practices that will make a big difference to your performance and theirs. Visit kand.co slash strategy and book your session with Nicole today. That's kand.co slash strategy. 
Leading a team today can be hard, but it doesn't have to be a struggle. With Kenco's self-paced e-course, leading high-performance teams, you'll gain everything you need to build the cohesion, communication, and engagement needed for your team to thrive. Right now, save 30% off the e-course. Plus, Nicole, host of Leading on Purpose, is including two coaching sessions with her at no extra charge. Use promo code VA30 when you visit kand.co slash ecourse. That's promo code VA30. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Find out more about Nicole and her company, K&Co, and check out her suite of leadership tools and resources at kand.co. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. So before break, I shared with you the most important skills and learning as a leader that you should have right now, given what people need most right now. And so I just want to share some resources with you. So when we look at if building relationships through meaningful conversations is an area that you want to develop, first of all, check out some of my previous podcasts, especially the one with Chris Littlefield, that will give you some really great insight into the power of conversations. Um, Also, if you enjoy reading, then I highly recommend the Crucial Conversations book and even taking a course in Crucial Conversations, right? That's hugely impactful. And then one of the books that I find most helpful in coaching and having meaningful conversations and leading myself first as well is the book by Marilee Adams called Change Your Questions, Change Your Life, 12 Powerful Tools for Leadership, Coaching, and Life. So those two books I highly recommend. Now, if you're looking to build building skills in leading change, um, stay tuned. We're launching a new e-course on leading others through change. And if you're looking for um, leading high-performance teams support, check out our e-course on that. And you can check it out at kand.co slash e-course. All right. So given the five biggest mistakes, where can you start as a leader? right? As a leader who simply wants the best for their team, right? As a leader who wants to remove the struggle and ensure that the right conversations and the right focus is is had within the team on teamwork. So here's a very simple process. And by simple, I don't mean easy. I mean, not complex. It will be challenging, but it's not going to be a struggle. Okay. So the very first step which addresses the first mistake is define what a high performance team looks like. You can't even move forward until you really know what a high performance team looks like. So I encourage you just to spend a little bit of time choosing a framework. Okay. And remember, you can go to teamfitnesstool.com slash ebook if you want to use our seven elements framework. Um, You can develop one yourself or you can choose another one that's out there on the market. But that is the very first step. And for the sake of this podcast, let's assume you're using one that's already developed. Okay, let's face it, you're busy and you want one that's based on research and is proven to work. 
So I would suggest that you choose one that's already developed. So choose one. That's your first step. Your next step is to hold what I call a team reset meeting. Okay. Your team, if your team is like most teams out there today, your team's been through the ringer, right? Your team um, may be experiencing another wave in, in your area of COVID. Uh, your team may be in lockdown again, or your team may be readjusting to working um, in person from working virtually. You may have dispersed teams. You may There are any number of stressors right now facing your teams. And a team reset meeting has a number of objectives and has a number of benefits. So, Schedule, I would suggest at least two hours, and I know it's difficult on Zoom and and having an extended time on Zoom or, you know, whatever virtual software you're using, but if you can meet for two hours, do it. If not, then break this up into, you know, two one-hour sessions. And this time is solely devoted to bringing your team together to reset and reconnect. So the first part of this reset meeting is all about you as the leader showing appreciation for your team. It's about acknowledging the journey your team has been on, whatever that may be, since the start of COVID, right? It's acknowledging that and it's appreciating your team's effort and the energy that it's taking for people to deliver results now as compared to maybe a year from now. So acknowledge and appreciate that. You can even spend some time, you know, having people share what they're most proud of, right? Share a moment that brings them great pride that they've had over the past six months. That can be pride from, you know, just uh, from a work situation, a team situation, or a personal situation. It's always really helpful to to create space also for personal sharing and not just about work. So people can really understand what's happening behind that computer screen, right? And really understand each other a little bit better. So spend the first part of the meeting. This is really important. Acknowledging and appreciating and giving space for people to recognize and celebrate and appreciate one another. Then you can move into, okay, you know, it's been a really trying time for many of us. And in order to remove the struggle a little bit, let's focus on how we can leverage our strengths and be an even better team, an even better team than we already are. And this should really be positioned in a very positive light. This isn't a punitive thing. This isn't about pointing out what the team is doing wrong, what they could do better. No, this is about elevating the team and connecting the team to a new vision, right, around teamwork. And so at this point, you can really introduce the high-performance team model, whether you're using the team fitness tool model or another model that you find resonates with you and your team, right? And share it, share it at a very high level. You might even want to send it out ahead of time. You can certainly send the ebook to your team. And then build a dialogue. This 
definitely needs to be dialogue-based and encourage people to participate, okay? How does this model resonate with you, right? What are the team's strengths? What do you see as our strengths from this model? How are they showing up in our everyday and, and really bring the team together to focus on the strengths that they see in themselves based on the model. And then shift the conversation to, okay, that's fantastic. Is there an area that we should really focus on to be even better than we already are? Where should we focus our attention? And then ask the team to share. If we're using the seven elements model, the team fitness model, for example, maybe they'll say, and this is what I'm often hearing from teams, is cohesiveness is an element that that teams really need to focus more on today because the goal isn't as clear. Our roles and priorities and best practices aren't as clear because of the disruption of the pandemic. And so teams are feeling disjointed. So maybe for you, it might be cohesiveness for your team. Or maybe for teams who are feeling, you know, devalued and underappreciated, the health of the climate might be an area of focus. Or maybe your team is experiencing a tremendous amount of change and don't know how to be open to it because they are experiencing a great amount of change fatigue and overwhelm. Maybe change compatibility is an element that they'll choose to focus on. Regardless, it needs to come from your team. Right, And this is so powerful because when we go back to the mistakes of team development, when we have a one-day workshop or when HR and OD come in to quote-unquote fix the team at the leader's request, it's often, too often, um, focused on some assumptions from the leader um, as to what needs to quote-unquote be fixed. Let's flip the script and bring it to the team for the team to have a conversation and identify where their strengths are and where their opportunities for improvement are and identify where we need to focus our attention. That's when you're able to lower the accountability, bring the accountability for team development where it needs to be within the team and not within HR or OD, who are there for support and expertise, absolutely, they're very important, but they should not be the drivers, okay? So ask your team, and then they'll choose, have them choose one area, and then ask, okay, so what's one thing? What can we do to strengthen our cohesiveness, or what can we do to improve our ability to manage change? Ask your team to share, and you'll probably get a lot of, hopefully, feedback, whether they're submitting their feedback via the chat function, whether you're using Zoom breakout rooms, whether you're using, if you haven't used the tool Mentimeter, check out Mentimeter. It's a phenomenal online tool that allows people to to share their feedback and input anonymously online in real time. So whatever tools you're using, and if you want some support on how to use and which tools are the best for virtual, feel free to reach out to me. Um, But use an online tool to capture feedback. What are we going to do? What can we do to improve in this area? Get your team's feedback. And then have them choose one or two things that they're going to commit to, okay, and come to agreement on that. Now, I know I'm saying this pretty quickly, 
Um, and you might be thinking to yourself, well, easier said than done. I have a team that doesn't participate. I have a team that, you know, when I ask for feedback, it's crickets. Okay. The more tools you can use to capture feedback, even if they're not talking, then at least you're capturing feedback. And like I said, I'd be happy to talk to you about that. Okay. Now, another way, if your team doesn't have a healthy climate, I would encourage you to use a team assessment that people can complete, um, like our team fitness assessment, anonymously and give a reliable assessment of how their team is doing. So that team reset meeting is essential. So I'm happy to share with you a team reset guide, a facilitator's guide. Again, just reach out to me via our website and I'd be happy to share the team reset facilitator guide with you. Okay. And like I said, I would really strongly encourage you to use an actual team assessment. We know that people change what is measured and when there's an opportunity to provide honest and measurable feedback through an assessment, you'll have a more reliable indication of the team's strengths and opportunities for improvement. And the team members will feel heard, especially when you share those results back in a reset meeting. Okay, and there are a number of team assessment tools on the market today. Um, so you and make sure it's aligned to your values and to how you're defining um, high performance teamwork. Now, the third and final step is ingraining team development as part of your culture, right? Coming up with commitments and what are we going to do once and never revisiting them again won't produce any positive change, right? So ongoing, dedicate at least 20 minutes every two weeks to checking in on the commitments to action made from your reset meeting. And I would suggest rotating who in your team brings this forward? Have this as a standard item on your meeting agenda every two weeks, right? Team development, right? Or teamwork. And sharing who owns that topic every two weeks. And you bring forward the commitments that were developed at the reset meeting. What are we doing well? What have we lived up to? What do we want to celebrate and recognize as far as how we're working together? Has anything fallen off the radar that we need to recommit to? What do we need to do differently? What might be getting in our way? Dedicating 20 minutes every two weeks to teamwork. That's how it becomes a part of your culture. Team development is not a pro is a process, right? <laughs> is a process, is not an event. It re team performance requires developing and communicating a clear picture of what exceptional teamwork looks like, then intentionally carving out time to recognize team strengths, to discussing them, and to identifying opportunities for improvement and taking action as a team ongoing to improve upon them. And finally, the team must hold themselves accountable to their commitments and keep the dialogue going. And the dialogue must be focused on how can we work even better together? That's what differentiates high-performance teams from the rest is when there is a consistent focus on how can we be even better together. So instead of an organizational world in which 84% of people are merely coming to work, imagine one in which 84% of people were enthusiastically engaged. So let's all strive for that together. And it starts 
with the effectiveness of your teams and the level of trust within your teams and the level of trust your team members have for you, the leader. That's where we should focus our attention. And I'm here to support you in that endeavor. So feel free to reach out at any time. Okay. I wish you all the very best. Have a fantastic week and we'll talk to you next week. Take care. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.